the mountain and you cause the walls to fall with your you perform miracles and there is nothing that's impossible and we're standing here only because you may say you Yeah, dude. 
tonight. Sing to the Lord. Say, Lord, you move mountains. I've seen you do it, God, and you'll do it again. Say, you move mountains. In each and every life, oh God, remove the remove. Say, you move mountains. And you cause the walls to fall. Say, you move mountains. My God, and you cause the walls to fall. I'm going to lay a seed tonight for something uh, that will we'll grow further in the new year. So I'm going to plant a seed tonight. Uh, these are our compass talks. Compass talks set foundation and set direction, like a compass, okay? And so this is just a little seed tonight. I want to talk to you about your mind. I want to get inside your head. Is that okay from the Holy Spirit? You know this scripture Romans chapter 12, verse 2, simply says, be transformed. Come on, that's uh, some of you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is really important. A mind is too good to waste. It really is. Now, here's the thing about the mind. If you think it, you think it's true. If you think it, you think it's true. How many of you are around in the 90s? Let me just uh, see your hand. Okay, not many of you. Ooh. Okay. In the 90s, or was it later than that? I don't know when it was. Somebody will Google it and email it in. If you're watching online, don't Google while you're watching online because that might move you offline. But there was a film called The Matrix. Do you ever remember that? The Matrix. Now, the plot of The Matrix, we, we, I ought to have said to the, to the tech team, shouldn't we have the Matrix background in the background? Oh, I'm doing this. Um, the plot of The Matrix was is that basically everything you saw was an illusion. That actually it was a virtual world. And the, the really, uh, the, the really um, kind of sad thing about The Matrix was is that humans were being used as kind of batteries to keep robots going. I mean, there's a pessimistic view of the world, isn't it? Uh, by the way, somebody said to me early on, how's your week going? I said, oh, well, you know, it's been a busy week. But then I got to reflecting on it. I thought, hang on, this is the start of the week. Sunday's the start of the week, so it's been going fantastic so far. We've had a great day in the house. 
And actually, I'm going to speak on the mind tonight because I want to set the tone for your coming week. Because this is the first day of the week. And in the matrix, what it said was, is that everything you saw, you thought was true, isn't true really. It's a little bit like that in our minds. As soon as we think it, we think it's true. We have this uncanny ability that it's really hard for us to grasp that our perspective may not be true. It may not be right. And this is a mistake. That's why the Bible tells us to meditate, to pause, to pray, to think through things. You see, our thinking is so ingrained that you have to understand there's kind of something in our minds. And that, let, me, let me describe it this way. I call it shuffle and repeat. For those of you who've got Spotify or Apple Tunes or one of those things, you can now play songs or an album in shuffle. You can play it in any order you want to. You're looking at me as if saying, well, you, you know, you, you do know what I'm talking about, shuffle, don't you? Yeah. Speak to me, church. Yeah. You know what I mean, shuffle. Yeah. You can go in, I mean, not when I was growing up, you had the record player with a needle. Some of you don't have no idea what I'm talking about right now. You have a record player with a needle, and you put it on the front, and it just plays through the album. And then there used to be some record players where the needle would jump about, and that was a real technology. But now you have shuffle, and actually you can have repeat. Now, here's the thing about your mind. You think you're not repeating because you've got a shuffle in your brain. But actually, there are ty- the most of us have got one set of thoughts. Our opinions have become like long-held friends to us. They're ingrained in our thinking. In fact, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to lay a seed because I'm gonna, in the new year, I'm going to talk a lot about the mind that repeated thoughts actually create a trace in your brain so that those electrical currents go down the same wire in your brain. And the reason why we don't think that our thinking is ingrained is because we've got shuffle. That means we think the same thoughts just in a different order, but they are still the same thoughts. And it's still the same album. It's still the same set of ideas. And one of the things that the Bible really majors on is the renewal of the mind. It takes hard work, but there are some ways to do it. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can renew your mind from those things, that set library of thoughts, even if you think them in a different order, so you can... Make it so that your mind becomes truly new. The order may change, but the content remains the same. By the way, if you're here as a guest tonight, we are just delighted that you're here. If you're checking out Katie, aren't we pleased that some people come to our church? Church, why don't we just welcome those folks? I met some people here for the first time, and it's a delight for us that you're here. We repeat our thoughts, and it convinces us that we're right. And it helps us to go down a certain path. Because we think in certain ways, it can even dominate the physical outcome of what happens in our lives. We think somebody doesn't like us. They don't like me. They don't like me. They don't like me. So they happen to glance at us the wrong way, and we go, you see, I told you they didn't like me. (laughs) Our thoughts can even determine the things that we experience externally. I used to live in America. For two years, I lived in America doing my master's degree. And I never imagined how important, well, they say automobiles, cars are to Americans. If you're an American person tonight, you love cars, even if you don't know it. And there, 
Their advertising in cars is much more aggressive than ours in Britain. In, in Britain, we kind of think cars are more stylish. You know, like, get into this car. It will make you a cool person. In America, they say, they'll, they'll say something like, Mama, don't let your boy grow up to drive Chevys. Fords are the best. It's really just open as that. In fact, they've got a song that says that. Mama, don't let you boy drive, uh, grow up to drive Chevys. But they used to have a, a, a commercial for an Itsuzu truck. Itsuzu sounds like a sneeze, but it is a truck. And uh, they used to show you this, this little girl at school with an oppressive teacher saying, stay within the lines when she's coloring in. And she would then go outside the lines all over the page. And then it would flip to her as she's grown up, driving an Isuzu truck off the off-road, going off the uh, motorway into the uh, rough riding and saying, don't stay within the lines, be free and drive our truck. I want to say to you tonight, don't stay in the lines. Let the Bible begin to teach you and heal your mind of the right thinking you need to have. Now, for some of us, we need to get in the lines of some of the promises, and at the end of my message today, I'm going to ask you to preach God's promises to yourself, because that's one of the ways that you're going to change your mind. You know, even good people in our lives, even good people in our lives, have deposited ways of thinking that are not good for us. Your mama may really love you, but not everything she thinks is right. You might need to drive a Chevy, because that's the only one you can afford. Listen, there are times when we need to step back and say to ourselves this question, is what I'm thinking really true? about that person, about myself. Toxic people have put tracks of thinking into our minds where we somehow lose confidence, then we keep following their opinion of us. I'm going to do a whole series on this in the future, and this is just a taster, but there are three areas that we really need to renew our mind on. I'm only going to deal with one tonight. But we need to renew our mind when thinking about ourselves, having biblical thinking about ourselves. We need to renew our minds about other people and maybe some of the hurts that they have caused us. And wasn't Doug great this morning on, on that? It was a great message. If you haven't seen that message, please catch up on YouTube. And then we need to change our minds on thinking about historical situations that have happened to us, or even present situations that are happening to us. We need to renew our minds on some of the things we are facing. But I'm only going to deal tonight and just look briefly at our thinking about us. Now, for my first month in Kensington Temple, I have tried and felt really led, and it almost sounds quite similar, and, and some of you will be thinking, has he got any other type of message about, instead of being really positive, but it's really important, I feel really pressed in the Holy Spirit to begin to minister to you about how you think about you, and about what your perception is about the way that you're going. Let's talk about you. We, we, we have to be strong about ourselves. I'm not talking about pride, but in truth. We have to be strong about creating a strong biblical view about us and who we are in God. The Bible has a lot to say about identity. It has much to say about who we are. And uh, hear me now, I'm not just trying to be encouraging, although I'm trying to be encouraging. I'm not just trying to be like somebody who's sending you a birthday card that says, oh, I hope you're okay. Uh, seriously, actually, what I'm trying to get you to see is that you're a new creation in God and you've got to start thinking about 
yourself that way. And even though you've had maybe a difficult time, even though you don't see it, he's working. Even though you may not feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. You know, even though God is wanting to show you that despite some of our mental frailties, you see, here's the thing. When we hear about the renewal of the mind, we hear God's going to make me intelligent. That's not what it means. It means God is going to make me to be able to see the truth I need to see. I need to see about me, I need to see about others, and I need to see about situations that I face. The Bible has so much to say about these things. But let me just say that the Bible wants you to know three important things about you. Number one, the Bible talks about you as being accepted. You are an accepted person. Now, acceptance is the unpleasant, unspoken need that we all have. We all want to be accepted, but we all say something like this, well, I don't care if they don't like me. And yet we all really do want to be accepted. We tend to think that our acceptance just revolves around family or those people who we have similar interests with, and we tend to say something like, being accepted is nice. Let me tell you something, being accepted is absolutely crucial to your well-being. It's absolutely important for your well-being. So, if you're coming back to KT, we want to say to you, you are totally, wholly accepted. Not just because we are nice, because it's crucial for your health. But you know, here's the thing. Lots of people may reject you. The church may let you down. But God takes our acceptance of us to a whole new level. He doesn't just hang out with us. He co-joins himself to us in such a way that that actually God decides that he personally will fuse his existence with our existence. That he says, I so much want to accept you, I don't mind you being part of the sphere of my existence forever and ever and ever. In fact, if you look in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says... In him is the fullness of deity, dwells in Christ in bodily form. And in you is the fullness of God. God says, I accept you so much. Come and be a part of me. Let me be a part of you. Now, how many people can say that about others? God accepts you. And in your mind, you've got to say to yourself, I'm accepted by the most important person in the universe. You are part of God's inner circle. You are filled with him. He accepts you, he equips you, and he wants you to live with him. In fact, in Colossians it says, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us unto the kingdom of his Son, whom he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. God accepts us even though he understands fully our weaknesses and some of our frailties. And he navigates those with us and says, I still want you to be my partner, fellow worker, we never have to worry about picking our moment with God. Have you got some people like that where you have to pick your moment? Maybe to say something to them. Don't raise your hand if you're with your wife or your husband. We can always approach God. In fact, God says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace where we may find help and mercy in our time of need. You don't have to pick your moment with God. When we see this acceptance... From God. Here's the thing. When you begin to build this foundation in your life, I'm accepted by God, that basis of a set acceptance begins to flow out to all your other relationships. 
you begin to be able to go to your other relationships on the basis of, I'm accepted by him. So your rejection can never be bigger than his acceptance. Let me say that again. Your rejection of me can never outweigh his acceptance of me. So because I'm accepted by him and he co-joins himself with me, that he says, I pour myself into you, you become part of me. I'm not saying we become divine in any way. We are still us, but we are so fused with him that from that basis you can begin to build your relationships with others. So start thinking strongly about yourself. Come on, just say it under your breath. Put your hand over your heart. I'm accepted. I'm accepted. Number two, think things, think about us. You're secure. You are secure. We need to understand that we are buttressed by God. Uh, but on the side of this building, there are columns on the outside. Go around and knock on some walls outside. And they're called buttresses, and they, they strengthen the building. Uh, like a, 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 a young tree, sometimes you'll see that they are staked with a strong stake next to them. God buttresses or stakes himself around your life so that you are secure. We've all seen people who uh, have fallen away from God, and we often think to ourselves, I wonder if I'll be next. And some of us, you know, we, we do quote the Scripture and, and make ourselves feel in, insecure by saying, oh, he who thinks he stand, uh, let him be careful in case he falls, and all of that. But because God knows that we are concerned about that, he almost overspeaks security into our lives. He, he almost kind of says it so often that he'll look after you and secure you that we tend not to hear it. We tend to just do the Greta Thunberg thing of going blah, blah, blah. Stop telling me the same old thing. But actually, God knows how insecure we can get that he wants to speak it and speak it and speak it over and over again to our lives. He says things like this in Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life. And he has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 32 in chapter 8, he says, If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how much more will he not also give us all things along him, along with him? Will he graciously give us all things? If God gives you his son, will he not give you everything else you need? Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is at the right hand of God. And First John says, we know that everyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God, he keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. Amen. You are secure. Amen. He wraps himself around you, invests himself in you, and prepares the way for you. We need this assurance. Now, there's a, there's a massive debate in the church about eternal security, whether we can lose what we've got, or what have you. You know, actually, in the Scriptures, that's not a big debate. We've made it a big debate. The bigger debate in the Scriptures, it's not the main focus of Scripture. The main focus of Scripture is you are bound to Him. You are lashed to His mast. You are secure in Him, and He holds you in His grace grip. 
And we want to debate whether we can get out of that, and God's saying, stop debating that. Embrace that I embrace you. Amen? Somebody lift your hand and say, thanks, God. I'm accepted. I'm secure. See, I'm just putting some seed thoughts in tonight. I'm just speaking health and life. I'm not just trying to be a nice guy, although I think I really am a nice guy. Amen. Well, I'm, yeah, yeah, thanks for the sympathy, amen there. Amen from over here. Okay, I'm really overwhelmed by... But what I'm trying to do is just put some seeds in. Because as I prayed for you, I sensed some people need to hear just some health truth again. You've been rejected. Circumstances has taught you that you seem insecure. I want to speak against that in a simple way tonight. I want to turn your face around to look towards faith. So you just accept simply, you know what, Lord? I'm going to stop thinking some of the thoughts that I've been thinking. Thirdly, you're significant. There's an atmosphere in our country right now that science has made us feel small. In fact, you know the COP24 thing, whatever it is, 24, COP24, that conference, 25? Where are we, 26? 24 and three quarters, any, any advance on that? The COP26 conference, I just watched the chairman of the conference in his closing sentences start crying because he's disappointed. Because the problem seems so overwhelming and not everybody agrees just quite how to fix it at this moment. And in our atmosphere, in our country, as we can feel like we're small, like there are some things that are getting away from us. But you know the scripture says, you are significant. That actually you can change the destiny of this world. In fact, you know, if you'll share your faith with some people, you can change the time clock of when the Lord comes back. Because the Bible says that as we share, it, we hasten or hurry the day of the Lord. It seems in our world, it's like we're saying we can't have much of an influence on things. And some Christians even live what I call a dice life. You know, like a random destiny, the luck of the draw, whatever you get, that it's like a lottery. But actually, the Bible begins to say to us and does say to us, you are significant so much that the Bible stands full in the face of that insignificance and says, you can change eternity for some people. That's significant. You have a destiny in God, and I've preached enough on that. But you can be fruitful. Jesus said, I've ordained you. I've appointed you to bear fruit and be fruitful. We are part of a world grand scheme. Listen to what the Bible says. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, though God himself were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. And I implore you tonight, if you do not know Jesus, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. My friends, my dear friends, you are significant and can change the history of the world. And we've stopped preaching this because we want to be real, we want to be kind of authentic, but in our authenticity, we've ditched faith. 
And we've, we've begun to say, well, we just need to struggle through. And that may be true that we have our struggles. I accept that. But we are the ambassadors of Christ to reconcile people unto God. You have a significant purpose in God. You're accepted. You're secure. You're significant. Your significance is historic. Your significance is global. Your significance is transformative for others. You're an ambassador of the most important king who ever is and will be. That's who you are. That's significant, my friends. Now, we have to be reflective about what I'm saying. And tonight, I'm not going to go deeply into the renewing of the mind too much. So you need to begin to start reflecting on what I'm saying. How your feelings are. Do you feel significant? Do you feel secure? Do you sense acceptance? Are you sitting here tonight and actually you don't think that you're that much? And as Christians, of course, we try to be humble, but we're humble in the wrong way. We're humble in a way that that speaks against ourself. Instead of just saying, I'm humble because I have the right standing before God and I know who's number one and I know who I'm serving. I'm not just trying to make you feel good. What I'm trying to do tonight is to change your view of you into a biblical view of you. Instead of listening to yourself, why don't you talk to yourself? There's a man one time, he, he ran like three back-to-back marathons, and he said, how did you do that? He said, well, I stopped listening to myself. I started talking to myself and said, keep going, you fool. <laughs> and thank you for saying amen, but run a marathon tomorrow. Let's talk to yourself, see if you can do it. For our negative thoughts, we've got to stop cursing them. We've got to stop nursing them. We've got to stop, re- stop rehearsing them. Stop cursing your thoughts. Stop nursing your thoughts. Stop rehearsing your thoughts. And start dispersing those thoughts. And this is how you do it. You push them out with the promises of God. You begin to take promises of God and you begin to preach them to yourself. You have to know that he loves you and he's got a plan for you. I've said this a lot since I've come. This will be the source of optimism in your life. That you can begin to say, I'm not just optimistic from an unrealistic point of view. I am optimistic from a biblical faith view that I believe in the promises of God to my life. And eventually, those promises will play out. Dr. David Jeremiah has written a book called Forward. And in that book, he relates a story of two of his friends that went down to a a coffee shop called IHOP, International House of Pancakes, not prayer, unfortunately, uh, in the United States. And he said they went for a cup of coffee and they saw a waitress and she had a uh, badge on her that that said this, that... um, A smile is the gift you give every day. And she smiled incessantly to them, and he complimented her on her smile. Here's the deal. The waitress only had one tooth. But she didn't stop. Her having one tooth stopped her smiling. And so this man thought, that's really brave. And he said, I like your badge that says a smile is a uh, gift that you give to everyone each day. And she said, my father made me this badge. And he had a terrible accident at work. And uh, his fingers were cut off. And uh, because he had to change his job, he learned calligraphy. And he was able to begin to write calligraphy even though he didn't have fingers. And perhaps a woman who was raised by a fingerless dad who chose to learn calligraphy can choose to smile even though she only has one tooth. You see, the thing about it is 
you have got to start pushing out those negative thoughts by the acceptance and the promises of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 1 says this, a person's wisdom brightens their face. If you fill yourself with the wisdom of God, you know it's going to get to your face sometime. It's going to cause you to smile. It changes their appearance. Unless you start thinking acceptance, security, and significance, you won't start acting it. This isn't just the power of positive thinking. Thinking gives birth to action. Do you know that you've got your, in your heart, you think things. You think things. And the Bible says you think in your heart, not just in your brain. Your heart posture, and that's what I'm going to uh, speak on next week, your heart posture is really important. Remember Canada geese that kind of fly in that V shape? Some Canada geese were, took off kind of late in the winter one time to make their migration. There's little geese in the middle, goose in the middle. And he's flying and he's finding it hard to keep up. And he's thinking, man, it's cold. I'm cold up here. And he, he kind of starts wavering a little bit. Man, you're a really hard crowd, you know. This is a sad story. <laughs> so he starts wavering a little bit. Anyway, he wavers and, he, and his wings freeze up. So much so that he starts banking off to the left and he looks up and there's the V shape and he's a little space where he was and he's falling to the ground and he hits the ground. You are such a hard crowd. <laughs> anyway, he hits the ground and as he's there, he's saying, I'm freezing. I'm absolutely freezing and I'm dying here. He's dying. The little duck is dying. Some of you are laughing at the death of a duck. You need to repent, some of you. Anyway, just at that moment, he's lying there, he's freezing and his little heart's beating and a cow walks over to him plops right on him he's dying and then a massive cow pat hits him full on the head and he's all freezing and then he goes you know what <laughs> it's kind of warm in here <laughs> I'm coming alive again <laughs> This doo-doo, it's warm. It's reviving me. I'm feeling good. Wow, all is not lost. It is not lost. And then a cat hears that little duck of him going, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm saved. And the cat goes over to him and the cat licks the doo-doo off his face. Now some of you are listening. And the cat goes, yay! You're saved! And the cat eats him. Why are you laughing? The duck was freezing, then he's doo-dooed on, and now you're laughing because the cat's eaten him. You're such a hard crowd. Here's the moral of this story. Not everyone who plops on you is your enemy. Sometimes, some people have to tell you the truth so you can warm up to what that is. Let that sink in for a minute. Not everything that goes wrong in your life is actually bad for you. Moral number two. Not everyone who says that they sympathize with you 
and wants to gossip about what's gone on in your life is your friend. Moral number three. If you land in the doo-doo, keep quiet. Stop telling absolutely everybody because you're going to attract some people and some things that are not going to help you. They're actually just going to make it worse and speak some things into your life that will not help you and will actually be killing you. Can you receive that? Now, you may need one or two people to talk to. You may need one or two counsellors. You may need a friend. But stop spreading that you're in the doo-doo to absolutely everybody. Renew your mind and begin to preach the promises of God to your own mind. Start talking to yourself and start saying, this is time for me to believe. You see, the next thing that you think about, you need to ask yourself, is that really true? But he brought me in all his love for me Oh, his love for me Who the sun sets free Oh, is free indeed I'm a child of God Yes, I At last he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he
Cause I am chosen, not forsaken 